Today on Inside the Ropes, European Tour Pro Zach Murray joins us. We go to Gosnell's Golf Club in Perth and chat with Scott McLean. And you just would not believe some of the things that have happened around clubland in Australian golf this week. We're going to go to Medway Golf Club to get to the bottom of one of them. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 169. Uh, no, there hasn't been a coup. Um, the golden tonsils of Andy Marr are here, but he's just handballed the reins to yours truly, Mark Hayes, because uh, we've got to protect them. They're our most valuable asset here on Inside the Ropes. Andy, you're going to fight through some very sore tonsils. My stupid kids uh, brought a little lurgy uh, back into the house late last week, and of course, uh, as you'll find out, or well, we're about to say good day to Zach, as he'll find out down the track, um, uh, when your kids get crook, you get crook. Um, so I've been nursing the cough, the snotty nose, and the uh, sore throat. Went and had the COVID test on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, folks, let me say this. That is a very unpleasant experience. The bit that goes up your nose it goes that far up your nose, it feels like it could scratch the back of your eyeball. <laughs> and when it's up there, the bloke has to swirl it around five times. He has to do five circles. It is brutal. And when I say brutal, I mean brutal. Oh, my, my wife's done it a couple of times, Andy, with uh, her work, uh, and she uh, said it's like tickling the base of your brain. It's that far back there. No good, mate. No good. But I tested negative, so no problems. All good. Well, you are a warrior among humans for coming on here today. And I'll try and ease your burden a bit. But what we are looking forward to is uh, the golden voice of, of Zach Murray also joining us, uh, a regular on the show, and he's come in with co-hosting duties today, Muzz. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, that's a dangerous title to give me, co-host. Jeez, I could take this <laughs> down uh, a, a monumental uh, pathways. But, jeez, I might have to go get that COVID test to see if I've got um, – Got something up top there. I'm not sure, you know, what's rolling around up <laughs> there. So if they keep putting the thing up and it doesn't, they might have to chuck a couple up there. Yeah, if if they keep pushing it up and it doesn't hit anything, you're probably in a bit of trouble. But it has to it has to hit something firm at some stage. I hope, but yeah, no, no good. Mate. Yeah, well, I I did I did see the video. I actually saw a video of Ian Poulter getting it done um, last week, and oh geez, he was squirming. I mean, I I can't if I have to get it done one day soon, which probably I will have to. You know, I'm I'm not looking forward to it. Well, it's been on the agenda this week, hasn't it, Hazy, over in the States? It has, uh, um, and, you know, that's why you're normally the host, Andy, Andy, these beautiful segues that you provide that I'm just really, you know, learning the ropes of. But, the, the uh, you know, it's going to continue, as Mars said, to be a, a topic of discussion, uh, and Nick Watney is going to be the answer to the trivia question, who was the first player tested positive on the PGA Tour. And, of course, as all things on the PGA Tour, it happened as a bit of a circus. Absolute as as um, who was it? Uh, Justin Thomas has referred to it as an absolute zoo over there at Hilton Head. So he's turned up to play at the Heritage. He couldn't believe what he saw. Restaurants full, beaches packed, uh, people all over the joint. It's South Carolina, so you probably need to take that into account. Um, and then uh, and then Watney test positive. And and quite seriously, the, the 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 symptoms that he had, he had some like respiratory issues, which I haven't had um, with with my common cold. That that's that's the serious stuff. That's when you have short of breath. That's when you're in real trouble. And rather than um, rather than stay away, he's in the clubhouse. He's on the practice range. He's on the putting green. He's mingling with uh, players all over the place, which. Just sounds like an absolute farce how they can allow this to happen. Yeah, so my understanding was that he he had taken the test fearing the worst um, and then after the test rolled down to the club to to start warming up on Friday before the second round. So um, a host of players, uh, including Thomas, I think one player in particular, I don't know who it was, actually rang the tour and said, why is that bloke down on the range? Uh, And they all said... You know, basically, 
what's going on? If we're going to have a bubble with, with transport and, and hotels and all these things, we can't have people coming in and out. And that's their biggest fear. And that's what Justin Thomas was alluding to, that mm. you know, there's nothing to stop, you know, Zach Murray and his, uh, and his partner or, um, you know, his coach or anything going down to the beach and lying on the South Carolina sands and then coming back in inside the bubble at a later time. So it's, it's a bubble, but it's a very, uh, well, a loose bubble, shall we say. I, I, it, it seems to me this is going to be the first of several, to be so honest. So, Zach, Zach, you're a young man. You're bulletproof. You know, you can take on the world. Nothing's going to get me. That, that's, you know, we all felt that. What are you, 23? How old are you now? 20? 20... Yeah, 23, going so we, on 12. Yeah, well, we, we're all the same at 23, mate. We're absolute idiots. We didn't know what we were doing. And, you know, we sort of um, – it's always going to be someone – do you – are you fully dialed in on – I mean, you're not in the situation at the moment where you necessarily need to meet these strict um, competition guidelines and protocols, but are you completely dialed in on what you have to do and what you what you can't do? Um, yeah, so Europeans have obviously been really great at communicating with us what, what we've got to do, but it's, you know – I mean, it's really. I think Europe is a lot stricter than, uh, or they're going to be a lot stricter when they get back to playing um, than the US. So I feel as though, um, you know, speaking a little bit to to Marty, my coach, about you know what Brett Coletta has sort of been going through on the Corn Ferry tour um, last week, and yeah, I I don't I don't by the sounds that I don't think it is as strict as it probably should be. Like mm. um, in Europe, you know. When we get back to playing, we're not like there's that there's the bubble, but it literally is a bubble. Like you're not allowed to leave the hotel um, at all. Like it's all confined. It's basically like you know what the AFL want to do is confine everyone in the one spot and just get the sport rolling. But you know, I think on the PGA Tour they're allowed to stay in houses with their you know with other players, family. Um, mm. You know they're they're allowed to roll out whenever they want, really. So it's I don't apart from the testing, I don't I don't feel as though it's much different. Um, so yes, it's it doesn't uh, it doesn't sound all that great um, to trying to keep you know trying to keep the, the virus um, you know all, all kosher and intact. So yeah, you know, I'm not yeah you know, I'm not I'm not really sure what's going on over in the US. It sort of just seems they just they're just pumping it out. No no fear in the world whatsoever. So did 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 um, Marty? That's Marty Joyce, your coach. Um, yeah. Did he did he tell you something that the players were receiving in in light of all this? COVID nonsense going on? Yeah, well, I think there was, I don't, I think there's been reports that, you know, if, if a player gets COVID, there will be some sort of compensation because obviously not allowed to work or, you know, and then the caddies are getting compensated potentially. So I'm not actually sure of the finer details, but, um, you know, that's, I think once Nick Watney got it, um, I think there's been three or four other caddies that may have got it um, down in the Corn Ferry Tour as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's some compensation talk going around at the moment, which, you know, to me, I was like, geez, I, I feel as though if I got it, um, you know, I'd, I'd think I'd probably get – feel like I'm going to get fine rather than getting compensated because, you know, it's – I mean, it's it's hard to avoid, but also it's, it's you know, if you – when we went in, everyone knows what lockdown feels like and it's – pretty impossible to get it if you're just inside your house or in the mm. confines of your hotel so i mean if you're getting it you know it sort of just sums up that you must be rolling around um doing something out of the ordinary so it's a really tough situation and i suppose nick watney you know as you as you said murray like when you're young you sort of feel as though potentially you're um you know you're, you're not even if you get it you'll be fine but it's like exactly, yeah. giving it to yeah. somebody else or you know that might be a little bit under the weather already and it, yeah it's um, yeah, I feel as though it's it's been rushed. You know, it's, oh, there's you know, no it's bigger. There's no. bigger things in the world than than uh, getting back to the golf course. And I mean, who who's to say? You know, you let it go for another couple of months, and then we're back into it as normal. You know, and I, you know, as I was saying to Hazy earlier in the week, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure whether I'm going to play yet or not because, um, you know, golf's I love me golf and it's important to me, but it's you know, there's more important things than sitting in a hotel locked down for you know, four or five weeks and only getting to see the golf course. Um, you know, I've got a fair few years ahead of me than I prefer to be doing something else. So we'll, we'll have a chat to you about what you're doing in, in a minute, Hazy, I reckon. But, but 
that I think you're 100 percent right. In you know, did you see the Sergio comment? Obviously, Rory's spending too much time in America. We'll, we'll get back to what he said last week. But Sergio, to paraphrase him, has basically said, "Look, Nick's a really nice guy. I feel really sorry for Nick. Plenty of other people who could, who should have got it before Nick. You know, yeah, just, who deserve to get it. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Wouldn't you love to know what the ranking system is, right? Who's your top 10, Rory, uh, Sergio, who you'd like to see cop a bit of COVID-19, just for good measure? I'd like to see that. And and the, the, this follows on from Rory, who no, most of the time when Rory McElroy speaks, it's really worth listening to and pretty sensible. But he made a comment after we'd been on air last week, Hazy, which beggars belief, he was sending a message to a bunch of his um, European mates who have decided not to come over and uh, start the PGA Tour season, decided to stay home. Big names, like world-class players. And he's and Rory put the um, onus on them. Listen, there are rankings points up for grabs here, you know, lads. You know, you, you guys can afford to stay in really nice houses in Florida, in gated communities. You can do the 14 days really easily. You know, like, for completely forgetting the point and overlooking the notion that, they may not want to go to a country whose control of this, the spread of this disease is completely out of control. They may just not want to go to America, full stop. And for Rory to be putting that in front of them, having used the fear of Zika uh, in 2016 as his reason not to go to the Olympic Games, pretty rich, I reckon, for McElroy, who lives in America, to be putting that stuff in front of the likes of... Tommy Fleetwood and Lee Westwood and you know a whole batch of other European players who have decided not to be there at the start of the season. Uh, I agree. Uh, it's very much as Mars points out there, and we'll, we'll talk to you more about that soon, Mars. But it's a very much a personal situation. What what's true and appropriate to one person might not be vaguely relevant to the next, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you've got to yeah. take into account families and um, you know extended families and and you know all the other life logistics that you know we don't see on the surface but let's just get back to the golf for two seconds uh it was fascinating to me uh, several things here at, at hilton head unfortunately uh matt jones was again the only australian to make the cut so not much to write home about from an aussie perspective jones didn't do so well on the last day but still finished pretty handy there and has banked a couple of good checks and is looking pretty safe for his card again which is fantastic I was blown away by Abraham answer. Oh, yeah. Uh, 65 of 72 greens for the week. How he didn't win is a little bit perplexing, but it shows you the good form uh, of Webb Simpson. Twice a winner this year already on tour, um, up to the top of the FedEx Cup rankings. And I look, I'll put my colours up the flagpole here. I thought he was gone three or four years ago. Um, he's in career form right now. It's. Um... I'm fascinated at your thoughts on this bloke, Zach. He swings it at about 110 miles an hour. Like, he, he's not a basher. He's a quirky player. He's got an unusual putting stroke. You know, he's not He's not in the Zach Murray, Brooks Kepka, Rory <laughs> McIlroy type. He's not in – he's not built – you know you know what I mean? He's not Lucas Herbert who's been punching out the, uh, the weights in recent times. He's not a physical dynamo. Like, he doesn't look like he's going to – sort of overwhelm golf courses. And yet this bloke is finding a way, like you said, Hazy, to resurrect a career that seemed to be um, verd, heading towards kind of all, not all so rare, but kind of middle of the road type territory a couple of years ago. He's now top five, I think, back in the world rankings, which you know, we'll have a chat about later. But um, it's all credit to him. He's sort of defying, and maybe Hilton Head suits him, and maybe a lot of golf courses won't. But um, he he's making a bit of a lie of what we think is needed um, from the modern golfer to, to be the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. I actually played with him um, in the World Golf Championship in Mexico and uh, he's a really nice guy and it was probably one of the guys that I actually got to chat to probably the most um, during the week, during the rounds. He was, you know, really good. Um, but, yeah, he... He just does it his own way, and I think after sort of, you know, after reflecting on sort of how I've gone, um, you know, in the last eighteen months, it's sort of that's you know, if you have confidence in the way that you go about it, then it's a really big um, step forward in in making strides in your career. And I think that's probably what he's done. Obviously, 
to have a little bit of success, but then to, you know, just, um, you know, make, uh, make ground on that. I think that's what he's done. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a really lovely man. And he, I mean, in Mexico, he's a, he's a superstar. I mean, um, you go over there and obviously playing in his home country with him, it was unbelievable. He's just so friendly and nice. I, I think it really comes down to as well. He's just a really great human being. And I think that you said about uh, so young Rue earlier, Murray Luckett. You know the benefits of being a um, a pretty uh, pretty good human. Murray is uh, is uh, pretty big. So yeah, he's uh, he's, a, he's a great player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, Andy, I just there were several things that came there. I I was staggered to see Webb Simpson's putter and the under the gun just was it was in this. I was some of the best putting you'll ever see. Didn't miss. Um, as I said, Abraham answered just, you know, Australian Open champion a couple of years ago. Just he's, you know, he's going places quickly. But to me, I did want to talk about Brooks Kepka now for two reasons. Um, one, I've never heard the physique of uh, Zach Murray compared to uh, <laughs> Brooks Kepka. Uh, that's uh, a whole, whole new uh, realm there. And I think Muzz is pretty happy with that, given that he's normally can more compared to a pull through for a rifle. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm put back on the rack usually and I'm never touched, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I, I did see Brooks Kepka and I, before I saw this shot, I was actually thinking, this looks like the Brooks Kepka to me that's winding his way back into form. Now, the, the first major of the year, which is not, we know is when he comes out to play, isn't until early August, but I saw signs post-injury, he's had a wicked knee injury that he described in February detail in January as being way worse than we all thought, uh, of being physically awesome again. And he, he finished seventh, uh, had a truckload of birdies, but one in particular, he had a 330-yard drive on a par four within three feet. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but it just <laughs> it smacked to me of a bloke who's just sort of starting to get fair income again. Mm. Oh, no, he's look. He's he is what he is. He's a phenomenon um, and one of the greats and of the modern game of the current game. So we'll, um, you know, I, I think everything you've said's right about him. It looked like he was sort of dialing it in a bit um, on occasions when there wasn't a sort of major prize on offer. But I think that, maybe he needed to um, prove a bit of something to himself before he gets to Harding Park. Yeah, maybe he needs to just remind himself. Yeah, I am actually. In good nick, I don't need to turn up and try and discover it at a yeah. major championship. Maybe a, a couple of uh, weeks here and there before it mightn't be a bad thing to do. He said that a little bit um, last year. You know, like obviously people were criticising him about his major performances compared to his just normal PGA Tour events. Um, and I think he, I think he sort of he wants to um, make strides in performing outside of those majors, I think, and I think he's trying to ramp things up a little bit beforehand because um, yeah, I think he wants to be a pretty dominant player and mm. know, I think that's uh, what he's trying to do. Now, boys, before we've got an action-packed show again today, as we always seem to have these days. We're going to chat with Muzz a bit more about his own golf in the second segment. We've got a couple more special guests, Scott McLean coming to us from WA, um, and then later on we're going to talk to uh, Jack McKenzie, who's been part of a just a a barrage of freakish <laughs> golf behaviour around Victoria at the weekend. He's going to highlight that for us a little later on. But before we do, Zach, you mentioned um, Brett Coletta a second ago there. We'll just wrap up what else has happened in the world of men's golf. A really encouraging start by Brett in the Corn Ferry Tour at uh, the King and the Bear course in Florida, just near Jacksonville there. Ended up, he's, he's finished a little bit off the pace in terms of uh, the, the winning total, but nonetheless... Uh, 20 under par, unbelievable. He finished in a tie for 14th at 20 under par. It's extraordinary golf. And Curtis Luck, one shot behind, tie for 16th. The boys starting to do pretty well, and Ryan Ruffles, for that matter, mm. tied 58. Tied 58 at minus 12. Some extraordinary golf from the young guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, Mars. Yeah, it was good to see them all. I'd actually, I'd probably keep a closer eye on, on that tour than I actually do on the PGA Tour just because, you know, I've got a couple of mates there. Um, so it was good to see. Obviously, Brady was tied tied for the lead halfway um, through that after two rounds. Um, at fifteen under after two rounds, you know, so it's pretty pretty impressive stuff. Um, but yeah, it's amazing scoring out on that tour. I mean, I 
I don't I don't get to speak to him much while he's over there, but I sort of get relayed through how he's hitting it through through Marty and 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 Marty said he's um he, he hit it quite quite well. You know, he felt as though um, he played well enough to you know to be right up there. But it's just you know those guys in America, they just I think it's I think it's got something to do with that, that sort of college golf and that's just like that pedal to the metal sort of mentality. It's like you know I've got to uh, I've got to get the uh, get going. So and I mean obviously that was it Chris Chris Kirk that won. Yeah, he won it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So obviously like you know been on the PJ tour for a long time. He's um, you know there's a lot of it's a those fields there are unbelievable fields every week. So um, yeah, but it's good to see those three boys um, those three boys playing well. Hazy, can I just mention before we get away from the rap part of this, from what we've seen happen overseas with the blokes in particular, Jason Day's last four tournaments, three missed cuts and one withdrawal. There's just uh, it's, it's now slipped out of the top 50 um, in the world rankings. There's just something now we need to we need to wonder about. I'm not writing him off by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it's all going the wrong way at the moment for Jason Day. We feel like he's healthy. You, you know, the noise coming out of the day camp is that he's, you know, the back's okay. And but the results just aren't coming his way at the moment. Um, and it's and it's been a mixed bag for a long time, a long time. Not just the last four. For a, you have to go back a long way. You know, the most troubling aspect of this is sort of alludes to what Muzz was just saying a second ago on the Corn Ferry Tour. Is no matter what golf, maybe U.S. Open week aside, if you're not making boatloads of birdies and eagles uh, on the P- in the US, you're not going anywhere. And to me, it's not the fact that Day's struggling to, you know, carve out a 72 or a 74, but the fact that he needs to shoot a, a pair of 63s to go with it to be vaguely in contention is something mm. that doesn't even appear to be uh, possible at the moment because he's just not scoring. He's just not making enough birdies because everyone on that tour is going to have bogeys, maybe except Abraham Anser. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, to me it's not troubling critically yet, but it's definitely you know it's got that off in the distance coming at him. I reckon mm, just a watch, you know, just keep an eye on him. See how see what happens in the next you know between now and the end of this year, obviously, and see see if he can turn the ship around a bit. It is one of those things, though, Murray. Like we we, we often take notice of guys who have been at the top of the mountain and assess them critically. It's the same in every sport. If you're a Brownlow medalist or a Dalian medalist uh, and you have an off game, you, you know, are you gone? You know, are you finished? Are you washed up? Whereas someone like in golf, Matty Jones, where we, we celebrate his um, 50-something finish year as being, you know, a good achievement and, you know, moving him up the FedEx rankings, et cetera. So maybe we're marking it harshly. It's just that there is a body of evidence growing. Mm. Uh, anyway. That's probably enough for the, the tour side of things at the moment. We'll touch on the women's side a little later on uh, in the Korean Women's Open. But for now, we're going to take a break. And before all those other guests, we're going to talk to our special co-host here, Zach Murray, mm. about his immediate plans for the future. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Some uh, extraordinary work in the commercial break there between <laughs> Murray and Muzza. I hope it continues here. It was very entertaining. Uh, but we are going to delve a bit deeper into Zach Murray's uh, immediate golfing future here uh, as we pick up the second segment. Zach, uh, we all know that the um, summer of golf ended very abruptly and, and your plans as a newly minted European tour player were thrown into a fair bit of disarray, I would imagine, is a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's been, I think, as I said before, it's been bizarre. And I mean, I spent a lot of uh, a lot of the time um, isolation or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what it was. It didn't really feel like anyone was doing it. So, <laughs> but uh, I spent most of the time I spent most of the time in the country. And yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the break. To be fair, like I've you know I haven't really had much of a break over the last eighteen months um, since I first turned professional and. Um, but yeah, I think over the last couple of weeks, I have really, you know, felt, uh, you know, a little bit flat or I don't know what to call it, but you know, just whenever you wake up in the morning, you know, you've got something to look forward to. There just hasn't been that there for me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting back out and playing, but, um, you know, what that looks like and the immediate future is a little up in the air, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a strange start to the, uh, to my career for sure. 
So you had? Did you have a specific schedule mapped out at the start of the year across the European Tour schedule? Is it sort of? winds its way through the Middle East and back to, you know, traditional European uh, headquarters? Yeah, um, a little bit here and there. Like, obviously, with my category, I'm category 16, which sort of um, really depends on, you know, whether the big the big guys play in, in events over in Europe um, or not. So being a Ryder Cup year, it's I sort of felt as though I wasn't going to get into as many events as um, – Jake McLeod did. He was same category as me last year. So I had a schedule mapped out um, a little bit, but it was sort of it was just going to be one of those ones where I'd just have to be, you know, basically on call, um, really. So um, yeah, obviously that's been completely flipped around, and the European Tour um, have been a, a lot more cautious than um, the PGA Tour in scheduling events and, and stuff like that. But they've cancelled and postponed a lot of events, so. Um, yeah, my immediate future is um, yeah, not uh, not what it was looking like at the start of the year. So, so what are you what are your plans? Like right as we sit here right now on whatever it is the twenty what is it the twenty third of June? What do you when do you when do you get on a plane? When do you head off? Like have you got a have you got a launch date for your season? Um, originally, I, I did. Originally, I. Um, Ames, my, my girlfriend and I planned on we we're about to end our lease here in Melbourne on the fourth of fourth uh, of July, um, and we were going to get on the Big Bird and, and move over there for four or five months. Um, and I was just going to play, you know. I was really looking forward to it. I was so excited. Um, Caddy Clark, you know, you know, every day just couldn't wait. And then um, obviously all, all this hit, and um, and then in recent times, European Tour have brought out the, the six emergency events. Is basically what they've what they've called it, mm. um, sort of that UK swing. Um, and when they re- released that, you know, once again, I was pretty excited, but I just didn't understand what um, you know that was going to hold for us players in regards to quarantine, isolation, how the tournaments were going to work. Um, and then, yeah, after reading through that information we got sent last week, it sort of, um, you know, hit home a little bit. Of that it's not going to be, you know, what it what it usually is like. It's going to be, um, you know, quite. You've, I think, I think, fingers crossed. Um, you know, it all goes to plan over there with regards to you know their numbers decreasing and stuff, and, and I can get over and play. But I don't personally think I'll go over and play. If I have to, you know, be stuck in a hotel room, um, mm. me just my personality just I just wouldn't be able to do that. You know, growing up in the country, I like my space, um, and I suppose in recent times I've done a little bit about you know my anxiety and stuff, which um, you know I just I just wouldn't be able to do it. You know, and I'm not I'm just not about that. I'm not going to go over there and debilitate myself just to play you know a few events. I'll um, I'll probably just wait until things start get back to normal. And, and in saying that. You know, like if I go over and play a couple of events, I'm not really sure what that means to me if I want to have a week's break. You know, do I have to just quarantine myself? Um, you know, because ultimately, like I could do, I could potentially do a couple of weeks, but if I, you know, get to, you know, spend a couple of weeks then with Ames or, or family or whatever, you know, I, you know, you could potentially do that, but I don't, I don't think that's what it's going to be like. Mm. Um, mm. Which is probably, in fairness, is probably the way you've got to do it, you know, because then that way they're doing everything possibly they can for the general public um, over there if they've got, you know, people coming in from other countries, you know, like compared to what the States is doing, you know, I think the European Tour are doing a great job, but it's probably just not going to work for me, which, you know, I'm all good. Like, I'll obviously I want to play golf, but, you know, I'm, um, you know, it's just bigger, there's bigger things for me other than just than playing golf. So, Mus, if you were to take up their offer of playing or fit into their bubble, as you describe it there, that precludes Amy from being inside the hotel? Or does it preclude Clarky from being in the hotel? What does it actually mean to the players? Yeah, so originally, you know, Amy was going to come along and stay together, which, you know, I thought I thought it was going to be like this, but I just I thought you'd be able to stay with somebody, which, you know, you could do, like, you know, you could stay with either you're staying with one of your mates or you're staying with your partner or a family member, you know, if you're doing that for two or three weeks, it's fine because you get to come home after the golf course and chat to someone. It's just that human contact that sometimes is really important when you're on the road. Um, that which what I've found has been the best for me and helped in my success. So, um, you know, and I'm not, if I was able to stay with, 
with Clarkie, my caddy, but you're not allowed to do that either. It's you know, it's player um, in one hotel or in in one room. You're not allowed to stay with any other players. Like it's you know, one hotel room per person, and then caddies on the same site, but just in different hotel rooms as well. So it's um, it's pretty strict, but I think that's the way it's got to be. But it's just you know, it's pretty it's tough. I mean, I don't yeah. know what what human being looks forward to sitting inside a hotel room for an extended period of time. Like I just go mental. So you're not in a rush, Zach. Like you, you know, you've, this is the start of your you know, eighteen months in um, to this part of your golf journey. It's all ahead of you. Like, can you see that? You, you, I would imagine when you turn pro, you want to get amongst it. Like, I want to play. I want to make money. I want to. I want to get this ball rolling. But and and maybe you can't see all the way down the track sometimes. But have you got a vision for what lies beyond just the here and now? Yeah, I have, and I'm just, you know, and I've been speaking about it a lot lately. Like, I'm just, whether you want to call it lucky, fortunate, I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it, but I've just, I've just had a good start to my career, you know, and I, and that's just helped me have the perspective of, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a card next year because that's what the European Tour have done. Any, they've sort of transferred the categories over to next year, so I've got somewhere to play next year um you know i got a roof under my head um you know it's i'm not i'm not pushing at all you know i'm obviously i'm super keen to play like i can't express that enough but you know for the sake of a couple of months or however long it will be you know i'm, I'm happy just to um you know set up stunts for just a little bit ah, good on you i reckon it's great i mean you've got a you could actually i would imagine just listening to you talk about this it could be counterproductive like if you do go over there and you play under these conditions that you, you've got a gut feel that tells you this is not going to be good for me, it's not going to be good for me as a bloke, it's not going to be good for me as a golfer, um, it could actually be, and, and then that is reflected in the way you play. You have a bad run for four or five weeks because it's just a setup that doesn't suit you. That could, yeah. that could have a really counterproductive bearing on you know, what comes next. Yeah, no doubt, Murray, and that's something that I've spoke about um, to my family and 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 the people who are close around me. You know, like there's no way I'm going to go. You know, I'm in I'm in such a great position now. There's there's really not much point for me to go over there and go backwards in, as you said, in is a in a person or as a bloke, and then I come back and I've got to reset myself again. You know, like I've got myself to this position. There's no, and I'm and I'm playing well. I'm confident. There's no point going over there just for the sake of playing and and pushing myself through, just staying on my own for two or three weeks um, and not playing good golf. You know, mm. because really it doesn't get me anywhere. The only the only way I'm going to improve my position for next year is if I win. And obviously, if I don't play, I'm not going to do that. But it's like you know, I've I've got bigger things to lose than um, than to to gain. So I haven't I haven't made up my mind yet because obviously things. Things are things can change so quickly, and if they allow you know for you to stay with a partner or, or someone, you know, obviously I'll be um, over there um, straight away. But um, for the time being, um, yeah, I'll probably just uh, just play it by ear and and see how I go. Mars, I just want to ask you. Touch you mentioned it yourself before, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's totally fine. But you mentioned anxiety, and I know that you're definitely not alone in this. Um, everyone just thinks there's a you know a, a puppy coming up through the ranks that you, as Andy said, you're sort of scratching at the cage to get out and see the world. Not necessarily the case for you, is it? You 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 want to take on the world in a golfing sense, but you need those around you to you know to be part of your life. Um, it's a, it's a it's a different sort of approach to to the gung ho way that many perceive professional golf. Yeah, well, I think the reason why I play golf and it's something that, you know, I'm a bit different in the way I go about things. Like, you know, I've just been lucky to have some pretty cool people around me to um, give me that outlook on life that, um, you know, has helped me surround myself with good people. But, like, I play golf because I love golf, but I also play golf to support my family. And, you know, like, that's that's why I play golf. Like, I don't I don't necessarily just play for myself, like, you know, the best part, the best thing that has ever happened in my golf career was obviously winning the New Zealand Open, but having all my family in it, or most of my family apart from you know mum and dad, who which was would have been cool to see in there. But I had lots of people there, and it was unbelievable to be able to share that with people. And I think that's what's given me, you know, when you have success and you're on the road by yourself, yeah, it's great. But like, I don't get the same feeling. 
Um, mm. You know, and that's sort of what made me realise that, you know, I play golf to share it with the people closer around me and, and to be able to help people down the track under, you know, try and play the best golf they can. So, um, and I felt personally that I've started to play better since I've taken that pressure off, um, you know, playing golf for the sake of being, trying to be the world number one, you know, like wherever I get to in the world rankings is, you know, whatever, like, but I have obviously have goals and, and whatnot. And, but, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know how to explain it apart from just, I just trying, uh, trying to see the world, but at the same time, trying to play the best golf I can and, and share it with people around me. You explained it really well, mate. Yeah, I think you did a beautiful mm. job. And I just want to touch on something before we head to a quick break here. Uh, you've, have you ever had any um, regrets, Mars, about curtailing your football career with the thumb injury during the, the high school game that may well have prevented you from making a debut for Essendon this week when they struggled to get 16 fit blokes on the paddock? You would never last... I, I don't know, it's going to sound weird, but I do a lot of my thinking in the shower. And... Um, and I was in the shower the other day. I was in the shower the other day, and I was um, I was standing there going, "Geez, I'm not really playing that much golf at the moment." And jeez, uh, uh, maybe I should go down and hit up the bombers and see if I can swoop swoop into training. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, so I mean, I love me footy. I mean, my brother's really big into into the footy. It's actually Brocky's birthday today, so happy birthday to Brocky. But um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I, I do have regrets about that finger because in the cold it gets really stiff and I can't even bend it. So, like, I'm holding the golf club like a trigger. So, it's <laughs> not that great for me. <laughs> Any chance your football club can just do the right thing by the comp for a change and just not stuff the whole thing up for everybody else? Can you just have a word to them for us, will you? I'll say it again. I'm sick of blokes like you. You know <laughs> what? I'm just, a, I'm just a supporter. We've had it tough. You should be giving me a bit of sympathy rather than getting into me. I'm going to not sleep tonight. <laughs> have a photo of you on me wall and throw darts at you. No, it's good that Essendon <laughs> supporters have got such a thick skin too. They, they cop this in the, in, the, in the manner in which it's intended most of the time. <laughs> the place. They're really good by like oh. Essendon supporters. No, they're, they're very magnanimous about the whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. you could, uh, they couldn't have played out any better. Oh, I couldn't have played out any worse for the Bombers, you know, like, you know. For all that's happened to us, and then all of a sudden, you know, classic first player to get COVID is a Bombers player. Like, you know. Watch them. They'll come out and beat my mob by seven goals on Saturday night or whenever we're playing. I don't um, know. When are we playing? I think it's I think it's Saturday night. I mean, who knows? I don't think you're going to be made to play that Melbourne game. Look, who knows? We, 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 we're supposed to be talking about golf, but uh, as it stands, as you and I and Hazy having a chat right now, we're playing Saturday night, I think. So I look forward to that. Beauty. Uh, the, the well, I'm way. on it. Yeah, right, eh? Done. We're on. We're on. <laughs> oh, I, I, I did promise everyone listening here that would get pretty loose if I let these two off on the footy tangent. <laughs> I'm going to rein them back in. We're going to take a quick break, uh, try and get, regain control, and we're going to talk to Scott McLean from the Gosnells Golf Club on the other side of this. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. As promised, uh, a very special guest. We mentioned him last week on the podcast, and he's been good enough to join us this week. He's got we've ripped him off the practice fairway. He's the, one of the most popular coaches in all of Western Australia. Scott McLean from the Gosnell Golf Club in uh, Canningvale in Perth. Welcome along. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on today. You've been a busy man. Yeah, we've been pretty busy over here. We haven't uh, haven't really uh, slowed down too much through the the COVID. Uh, obviously, we were in lockdown for about a week and a half, but uh, we managed to, you know, continue our coaching programs. Obviously, one-on-one was, was, was still the go, but all our, our junior programs ceased for a while. But, uh, yeah, we're back in full flight now. So I want to touch on your junior programs a little bit later, but specifically last week on the podcast, uh, we mentioned the, the fundraising day that was held at Gosnells uh, last Friday, which was uh, a phenomenal success. I'll go as far as to say a phenomenal success. Hannah Green, Jared Felton, Maddie Hinson, Tolchard, and Josiah Gilbert. Is it Josiah or Josiah? No, Josiah. Yeah, Josiah. Josiah. Uh, all tipping in with a fundraiser at, at your club. Um, not wanting to put you on too much of a pedestal here, Scott, but I understand you tipped in 500 of your own and the club matched it as well, and, and there was a lot of money raised for the Wright Foundation and the Challenge Cancer Foundation. Yeah, they, obviously Squad X Sports is uh, the coaching company here, or that works alongside Gosnells. Uh, we yeah, we we chucked in uh, 
the pool for the players to go out and then had uh, we sold these ribbons wherever they are on the hat there. Um, people just donated. It was yeah, it was really good, really good day. So we ended up about twenty three hundred dollars, which will be split between the Wright family and uh, Cancer Council or Challenge Cancer. So can you quickly explain um, before you tell us who won and everything like that, uh, the Wright Family Foundation, what, what, what that's about? Uh, so one of the young boys, Luan, uh, the family moved across here probably about eight, ten years ago, maybe from uh, South Africa. Um, he was a young boy that uh, grew up here at Gosnell's Golf Club. Um, he ended up with a brain tumour, uh, passed away and... Uh, the club has held its junior open in his name each year. So we wanted to do something there for obviously cancer research and cancer Australia and challenge and, and all that sort of stuff. So Maddie was really, really good friends with uh, Luan. So we approached her and said, look, we've got an idea of uh, getting Jared. Obviously Jared's a member here. He's our club ambassador um, and partner of Hannah. So uh, yeah, we, we sort of took the four of them and, and put them together and we actually had it that the, the amateurs would take on the pros, um, but then sort of, you know, getting through it, talking through it, they, they decided boys against girls and it ended up being like a team titleist team strips and event and it was just uh, go out there and make as many birdies as you can and, and see how we go. So, yeah, it was a, a great day. We had oh, maybe 150 of the members and guests walking the, 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 the nine holes and we had about 1,500 live streamers online through Insta and Facebook. So, yeah, we're pretty happy with that. Who got the chocolates? Uh, it was all square with two to play. And uh, Maddie's uh, hit it into about eight feet on eight. And then Josiah's topped that and hit it to about six inches. Uh, and then we did something a little bit different on the ninth. Uh, we took the boys all the way down to the ladies' tee. We pulled the, 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 the pin forward so they only had like a flick wedge in. And it was a $300 nearest to the pin shootout. Uh, the boys sort of a little bit too much spin. Maddie stuck it in there to about eight foot there again. And uh, Josiah hold about a 25 footer across the slope and she missed. So the boys snuck in two up, but uh, it was some pretty good golf throughout the, the nine holes though. That's Stop impressive it. from Josiah against uh, against the you know the, the pros and, and Maddie, obviously a you know, really qualified player now, the Australian junior champion a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, Josiah's sort of, he's hit the ground running. I took him to Sydney last year. He's, he broke par for the first time in the um, Jack Newton up at, uh, in the Hunter. Had a great tournament up there and he got back and then he's just he's just gone from strength to strength. He finished four under for the day. Uh, Matty was a couple under and the other two were, were sort of around par or just under themselves. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty good golf. Scott, what are your junior numbers like there at Gosnells, particularly amongst the girls? Uh, at the moment, we've, we've got about, in the club, in the Gosnells Golf Club at the moment, there's probably about 85 to 90 junior members, but we see around about 155 kids a week in our, in our junior programs here, and that would be, I would say 60-40, definitely 60-40 um, split, so we've got a lot of girls playing golf here as well. What do you put that there? That would be an over-representation, I would imagine, based against national numbers, pro- pro- probably by a significant margin. What, yeah, what, what do you put that down to? Um, it's a good question. I, to be honest with you, uh, I think the programs, I, I've been in Perth now for about eight years uh, before I came to Gosnells. Um, I'm only 12 months into, into the program here with Jeremy and, and Lucy, the manager and the, and the board of the Gosnells Golf Club. And, um, uh, you know, I've come from a, a, an Asian region. I was in Singapore teaching a bit of tennis and golf up there and, Pretty strict sort of um, guidelines were up there. And I guess I brought that with me, came back, and we've, we've got a pretty disciplined program. We don't put up with a lot, and I think the parents like that. They like having a lot of structure. Um, you know, the, the kids, the girls and the boys mix well together. The junior ambassadors for the club are, are fantastic. They're, you know, they're out playing in the junior, junior events every uh, Sunday afternoon when they can. Um, and Jared's out there. Hannah's been great. She's she's been down a couple of times and played with a few of the young girls on a Sunday as well. So it's it's just yeah, I think that just the profile of golf itself. Um, you know, we're a fairly big state and we're fairly tight in amongst uh, Perth itself. You know, there's a lot of good good players that have come out of Western Australia. Muzz, you, you've you're good mates with with men, Wu in particular, but uh, others as well. You, you, you know, you must have seen this when you were playing for Victoria against WA. There's something special about them over there, isn't there? 
Yeah, there is. I think um, I think Western Australia sort of has always, well, to me, it's always felt as though you know they're, they're running their own show over there a little bit. To be fair, and I think they do a great job. Um, mm. Obviously, West, when we came up against Western Australia and you know, interstate series, you know the depth they had. They always had great depth. We all I remember our coach um, and manager always speaking about their depth. Um, you know, a lot of the good, a lot of states have got a, those good couple of players at the at the top that might fall away, but. Um, Western Australia's got a great depth and I think that's exactly what Scott sort of points out is that there is a lot of juniors coming through which is a discussion that I've had with a lot of people lately is you know I, I feel as though there might not be that many around anymore and as Mari pointed out like you know Scott's doing a, a great job and those numbers would be way higher than anywhere else really I'd say. I, I, people, I hope people appreciate and I'm sure you do Scott and people in Perth I'm sure do but I hope more broadly in Australia people appreciate what a great asset um, Hannah Green is for not only for golf, but for young female sports, for young females playing sports. She, the, her ability just to put in and, um, you know, not take out is, is pretty impressive. I reckon. I hope she gets the credit she deserves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's, her home club's Mount Lawley and she does a lot of stuff up there with the, with the juniors up there as well. Um, but, I, you know, next week she's down uh, the cut and she's playing down there with uh, uh, Kat Norris and, and they've got a day down there, obviously, for breast cancer, which uh, I know you guys are aware of as well. But, you know, she's only too happy to, to put up her time and, and a lot of the players are, actually. They're, they are really good mm. out here. A lot of the guys, you know, even Foxy, you know, the older boys and that sort of stuff, they'll, they'll give their time and, and they're happy to come and speak to the juniors and, and do a lot of that sort of stuff as well. So... Yeah, but Hannah's great. I mean, I've only met her. First time I met her was probably a fortnight ago, uh, before mm. last Friday's event. But um, you know, she's always she's over everything over here. She's always given her time up for for the juniors and, and juniors in WA and I guess across Australia. So Scott, you you obviously you know it's been a tough time for everyone around golf tournaments. Little Birdie told me you were trying to organise another junior golf tournament coming up. Uh, is there any any advance on that? Uh, yeah. So we. Our tournament schedule starts again. Uh, we're the first tournament back, July 10th in the school holidays. It's a Friday. We have around about 80 to 90 junior players in that event each year. Uh, this year, obviously, with the guys being back home, we want to do a little bit different um, uh, sort of event. So we've got the kids going out first and then we're hoping to have 8 to 12 of our local guys and girls um, the juniors don't know this and not many people do know this, but we're just trying to get some players to follow the field so that we can retain the juniors into presentation and then have the pros come back and, and do the presentations later in the day. But more so have that 80, 90 kids get back out there, watch them play their last hole, nine holes, <clears throat> you know, follow them around and go, look, if this is what you want to do, this is what you've got to do. You've got to be at a certain level. You've got to, you've got to you know, get on the range. You've got to work on every aspect you've got to get out and play lots of golf and, and it's not just you know hit and giggle if you want to take this up seriously come and watch these guys play because they're all on tours you know around the world whether it's in america or europe or on the asian tour or the let tour or whatever it might be or even just the australasian tour they're all they're all players you know and uh, they work hard on their games and you've just got to realize how hard they work and, and if you want it get out and watch them did you have that moment most did you follow someone around and think oh my god that's what i want to do I played too much golf with my old man. I had to watch him, so that wasn't great. But um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I always looked up to Mark Leishman. You know, pretty, pretty, um, pretty good guy to look up to. But I, I think what's what Scott's doing is fantastic. It's always, and I've been trying to do a little bit of that back home as well. You know, trying to get involved with the juniors because, to be fair, like I never really had anyone back in the country. Um, you know, do that, do that for me. So it's a great initiative to get, uh, to get the pros involved with the juniors because it just aids in their, in their development and development. And, um, you know, the sooner they learn what they have to do and, you know, um, you know, the, the better they'll be. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think, I think it's a great, uh, great idea. Yeah. Well, it gives them that competitive game too. You know, some of the guys are looking to, to get back into their competitive uh, matches, you know, early next year or even later towards the end of this year and, and they've been without golf themselves so it just gives them that little bit of a springboard to chuck themselves under a bit of pressure again and you know it, it might only be 100 people watching them but it's they're still got to make the shot when it counts and, and you know enjoy a bit of competitive banter amongst themselves again. 
Uh, to yeah, credit absolutely. to you, Scott, one of the um, PGA's finest. And, I, you know, I, I know Andy's intimating it there, and I'm sure he'd say it if, he, if I gave you in the range. Yeah, just tremendous to see WA taking the lead role in so many of the junior programs. We're mm. thrilled. Andy, I think, is the best to watch watch it develop and see the wave coming out because it shows no signs of abating, really, does it? We've been talking about it for a long time on this show, haven't we, Hill? We've been noticing it on the other side of the country. You know, I'm sure you know too, Zach and Scotty, you're aware of it now that you're over there. We've been talking about it, you know, with a bit of envy, to be honest. Um, mm. You know, for a long time, it's uh, it's a great program and some obviously some great coaches over there uh, and some uh, kids who are prepared to work hard, which is a great recipe, you know? Uh, congrats, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Gosnell's a uh, big, big credit to the club as well. Pass on our uh, thoughts to everyone involved. Absolutely. No, the, the golf course themselves have been fantastic. And, uh, you know, the management and, uh, and staff behind the scenes here is, is really sort of let uh, Jeremy and myself be able to do what we want to do. So, you know, without too much uh, hiccups as well. So it's been brilliant. And, uh, yeah, no, the club's going forward and hopefully it's going to get bigger and better over the, you know, the, the years to come. Well, great effort by uh, Hannah Green, Jared Felton, Josiah Gilbert, and Maddie Hinton Tolshaw. Along there with Scott McLean, uh, our guest, special guest today from Gosnell's Golf Club. Thanks again, Scott. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And Thanks, we'll be Scott. back on the other side of this break with uh, just some incredible feats, really. Yeah. I don't know if you know how to describe what we're going to talk about next, but Jack McKenzie from the Medway Golf Club in Melbourne will join us on the other side of this. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, and we're now joined by another special guest. Uh, well, this is a very special guest, Andy and Zach. Uh, he's a party to one of the more amazing feats that we've heard of for quite a while here at the Medway Golf Club. But first of all, let me introduce Jack McKenzie. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Jack, I, look, there's been plenty of things, and we're going to talk about another one in a minute. There were some crazy goings on at the 13th Beach Golf Course this weekend, but I told uh, Justin Falconer, our intrepid producer, that this one tickled my fancy more than others. Uh, you and your two younger brothers both had an eagle on the same hole in different groups on the same day in competition at Medway. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's very rare, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So three men, just give me this right, on the same day in different groups, three members of the same family, all brothers – all eagled the same hole. Yeah, so I'm one of three brothers. I'm the oldest. My two young brothers are Joe and Tom. They're off eight and nine. And my dad was also playing in the group. We were the youngest one. And my mum was also playing. So we we're six under for five people in the same family in the same comp. <laughs> Pretty disappointing by mum and dad not to have a three there. So my mum gave it a look and dad made an easy five. <laughs> it was... um. Yeah, so my brother, the youngest one, Tom, is um, oh, he's a bit cheeky, and he was the group behind. He said, look how close I've just hit it. I've gone, it's right lip. I've done the same thing. And we didn't know until we finished that my brother Joe had also made one as well. So, so tell, tell, tell yeah. us about your brothers here. That, you know, they're, they're obviously a little younger than you. Yeah. So I just finished year 12. I'm 18. My middle brother, Joe, is 17, and the youngest one is 14. He'll turn 15 later. Um, they're mad cricket in the summertime, so it's golf's a winter sport for them, but they do really enjoy it. Tell us about the hole, Jack. How far is the hole and what, what – did you all hit same clubs in? Did you all play the hole the same way? No, the worst thing is I hit the most club in. <laughs> um, I hit driver two iron. My youngest brother, Tom, hit driver three iron. And the middle one, Joe, hit driver poor hybrid. <laughs> right. um, so the 16th at Medway is – it's a dogleg right. You can't go right. It's hitting out of a picket fence. And anywhere left of the green safe, but it was a tuck right pin. And for whatever reason, we all went for it. <laughs> and, um, I mean, there's some crazy things that go on, but I've, have you ever heard of that, Jack? Um, no, that's that's in your wildest dreams stuff, Hazy. I remember um, in the New South Wales Open, I played in a few years ago. Michael Long had an albatross and Brett Coletta and I both had eagles and we were playing in the same group. So that's probably, that was, that's pretty wild. But uh, I reckon Jackie Boy's family's topped it off, I reckon. That'll be at the top of the tree for sure. So, so Jack, what did you, did you give your, your dad the gears when you got home? Like what happened when you were around the dinner table that night? 
No, so my dad's been playing golf since he was my age, since a little kid, but couple job changes and he's he's been struggling with his game so myself and joe have been getting him dialed and for him to make par was was pretty good <laughs> who made the biggest putt jack out of the three brothers uh the middle one joe made about a 20 odd footer have you yeah is this a hole that you you routinely take three on like is this something that's commonplace for you blokes oh gettable par five you don't you I mean you don't bank on making three but you we do like hitting it in two yeah, Jack, tell us, you, you work at Medway, don't you? I do, yep. What are you, yep. You're in the pro shop? Yeah, so I've been working in the pro shop since oh, about two years, but doing properly after I finished year 12 last year for about four or five days a week now. And you got aspirations to be a club pro or a touring pro or just to be involved in the industry, or what's the plan? Oh, I'd love to be in the industry, especially in my coaching. I really enjoy it. Um, I was planning on applying for a traineeship now about time to do it next year but with obviously the virus going around there's no events to play in so i'll push it back a, a year play as many events as i can and then apply for it what what are you playing off jack i'm playing off one at the moment andy oh, no. yeah on you. okay keep going mate jesus it's yeah. a fantastic yeah. aspiration yeah and do you reckon we can wrestle joe and tom off the uh, the cricket scrap heap and get them across to golf well they won their cricket season last year undefeated for the high school so Nah, there's no hope. Um, they're, they're both um, they're pretty bright with the books as well. So golf is just a bit of a hobby for them. Yeah. Well, fantastic, mate. We Great really appreciate story. you taking the time to join us, and we we can see where you are at the moment out at Ainsbury that you're uh, deep in it again, and probably going to take more money off more people. So keep going while you're red hot. No, thanks for the chat, boys. A lot of fun. Well done, Jack. How good is that, Cheers. Murray? We really, um, it's it's unbelievable story. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I had a bit of a wrestle with um, with Justin Falconer about this because there's a story that goes runs alongside this uh, as being almost as extraordinary, almost as the one that you just told us a second ago, Zach, at 13th Beach on, uh, on Saturday. So remember, for all the people who only ever see 13th Beach down here on the Ballerine Peninsula, that it plays differently uh, for the Vic Open Championship as it does for club members. But I want you to keep all that in mind. On the 12th hole, which is the third in tournament play, uh, in one group, uh, I'm just going to try and find their names here, excuse me, but there, there were a couple of guys stood up on that tee. Gary Anderson hit, uh, I want to say, a seven iron, and there's that bowl, Zach, that you'll probably remember at the back of what's the third in the Vic Open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the, I mean, that's not to say it's an easy hole, but uh, the, the bowl's in the back where the pin was. Uh, hit a seven iron, landed on the right edge of the bowl, ran up the hill and trickled back into the hole. Great. Hole in one, incredibly rare. Very next shot, uh, Peter Matulic. An eight iron bounced it up over that ridge and it went in and filled the cup. How about how about that? Back to back shots on a hole that hasn't yielded a hole in one uh, during the Vic Open at any stage yet. So two guys here. The later on in the day, another guy, a plumber, Travis Mott, stood up there and apparently absolutely yelled the house down to the point that people around the course thought someone was dying out on the twelfth hole. Had another hole in one on the twelfth. Um, uh, so that's good. And on the top of this, uh, Toby Walker, um, who's a, a state player, an emerging young guy, very big unit, on the 18th of the Vic, Vic Open, but the fourth of the club play, dunked a seven iron for an albatross. <laughs> Can oh, yeah, you? When it rains, it pours. Oh, <laughs> it you're not wrong. Big, must have been a big hole. Did anyone check the size of the hole that day? <laughs> Yeah, so they just, playing that big hole golf. I think they might have been. Justin, Justin reckons that that was a more impressive thing than the McKenzie clan, but I'm I'm holding, to, I'm firm on the McKenzie. I think three eagles from separate groups from one family in one day is just an unbelievable tale. Yeah, that's one. To, that's one to um, be telling over Christmas Christmas dinners for the next fifty years, isn't it? That you know that. I hit a three and I, I, hit the, I hit the shorter club in. I made the biggest putt. I hit the better drive. There's all sorts of stuff you can, all sorts of fun you can have with that. You ever heard of anything like this, Zach? I know mean, you told us that story a second ago with the, with the boys longing and that, but uh, it, it's, does it just catch fire? Like when you're playing and a group catches fire, is it the best thing you can be part of? Oh, yeah, it's pretty grouse to be a part of a group that's playing playing well um but i've never heard of anything like this and I, it's quite amazing that you get two stories like that over a, 
over a weekend, you know, it's um, unbelievable, you know, to get three holes in one on, on the one hole, um, you know, at the same course on the same day. And then to obviously for Jack's family to do what he did, you know, it's, um, it's quite bizarre. It sort of matches what's going on in the world at the moment. It's just the whole <laughs> thing. It's just very bizarre. The crew, at, uh, the crew at Golf Australia magazine calculated, I'm not sure if they're mathematically qualified to do this, but the odds of the back-to-back holes in one alone was 156 million to one. So, uh, and, and, you know, Zach, you're, you're the best place of all of us to talk about it. We, we've all played that hole, but that's a tough hole. I mean, it's a, you know, depending on the wind, it can be a mid-iron. Um, it's, it's got a green with several tiers, and I know it's in a bowl, that flag, but, geez, that's just extraordinary. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I, don't, I don't think the flag in the bowl is actually an easy, you know, pin to get at because you've got to be quite accurate. Like, it's only sort of a metre and a half wide, that bowl, and if you don't get it in there, it sort of just banks off both sides. So, um, yeah, it's not uh, it's not easy at all. So, um, great hole, and especially if it's on a windy day, like, it's brutal. I mean, um, just comes straight over the tea tree off the beach there. So, yeah, it's not an easy hole at all. <laughs> Now, speaking of the Vic Open, Andy, just before we wrap up the show here, I would just want to send a massive shout to So Yon Yu, um, who, as we all know, we, we claim it here as a bit of an honorary Australian uh, runner-up at 13th Beach this year and immediately went on to donate all her prize pool and a bit more from the Australian Open the following week in Adelaide to bushfire recovery around Australia. Didn't even bat an eyelid, just said, here's the check, where you go, which I think is phenomenal. Well, uh, lo and behold, this week she won her fifth national open, which is an extraordinary thing. She's won in China, Japan, Canada, the United States before, and now she's won uh, for her probably the biggest one, the Korean mm. Women's Open at the weekend in Incheon. Two hundred six thousand US dollars jumped in, and immediately jumped straight back out to COVID nineteen relief. Um, what about that? What a what a not only a great golfer, like one of the all time greats, a definite Hall of Famer dual major champion but one of the great people one of the great humans so on you fantastic magnificent gesture like it's it's um she doesn't have to do that she can she can comfortably rest on i've done enough she can give a quarter of it away Mm. you know fifty thousand us is a fantastic gesture like an unbelievable gesture she's got plenty we understand that we understand all of that um but to give that amount of money straight back uh, the way she did, that just speaks volumes for her as a human being. You're 100% right, Hazy. We know how good she is as a player. That speaks for itself. But um, the things that – I, I think there's another – I think I was reading somewhere else that there's another um, donut, a significant donation she's made somewhere along the line to a, a cause, um, maybe over in the state somewhere. I can't remember where I read yeah. it. But it's, yeah, I think she won the, the Meyer Classic, the M-E-I-J-E-R, yeah, Meyer Classic, and then one. donated an absolute truckload of money to the, the food bank um, that, was that, they, that they generate. So, um, yeah, just, you know, no bounds, no national bounds, um, just, a, just a great person. And I, one, one thing that hasn't been meant, like, I don't know whether you, either of you guys were watching that. I was watching, I just happened to be flicking around and watch the end of it, and um, the girl who was a shot behind her had played a nice bunker shot, certainly to within sort of, you know, a holding range for a putt. And um, Soyeon, you definitely had the more difficult of the two bunker shots. I put their second shot into that sort of left-hand side trap. And Soyeon's ball had come to rest on a bit of a groove. There'd been a, a rate. They'd raked – somebody had been in there earlier and they'd raked it, you know, um, they raked it up. And the ball was sitting just in a little groove. Um, she'd short-sighted herself. So it wasn't a perfect lie by any stretch of the imagination. And she played – she knocked it to five feet. I mean, it was a magnificent bunker shot. Like, we know how good they are, but um, it was a really good shot to to make sure that she was in the position to win the thing uh, in regulation in the first place. So uh, it's, it's all good. It's a great story. And I just want to – Zach, I don't know if you've got any thoughts here. Our last bit of this program before we let you go. Um, Matt Griffin had some – interesting thoughts a couple of weeks ago about the world rankings starting and when they should and shouldn't start. Um, I'm fascinated by the world rankings not kicking over here with the Women's Korean Open. Uh, so on, you obviously wins, but in the top six, Hyoju Kim, Ho- Hyojin Choi, Se Young Kim, Ji Hyun Oh and Jin Young Ko, the world number one. 
it smacks of something that probably should have the world rankings active to me. I mean, that's just an extraordinary array of talent. Have you got a thought about when and where the, the world rankings should kick back in, or is it just you're happy with just around uh, the United States at the moment? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't probably gone into um, into much depth of thought about the world rankings, um, Hazy, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little – I was actually – um, looking at the world rankings earlier yesterday and I was sort of looking at where Herbie was relative to sort of US Open qualifi- um, qualification and, um, you know, him not being able to play at the moment. He's sliding down the rankings um, a little bit at the moment. And I don't know, I suppose it all comes back to, you know, opportunity and um, really tough decision for a lot of those, for the, you know, the golf um, organisations to make. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough when you look at, you know, in Korea, it's probably, you know, those those girls maybe should be getting, you know, ranking points for their achievements, but also the opportunity for other girls not to play, you know, they might feel a little left out. So, I mean, it's a super tough decision to make, isn't it? I mean, I certainly don't envy anyone making those decisions at the moment. It's pretty tough. Murray, you got any thoughts oh, on I just that? Don't, we've said it before, Hazy, on the show, and as every week rolls by now that we're back playing, um, it just doesn't make any sense that – there's no rush to get these rankings, um, these ranking points um, ticking over again. The only, certainly in the men's game, the only people who are going to be advantaged by this were the Americans. So, mm. you know, so by and large, you know, um, so unless, you know, and the PGA Tour and American golf interests are more than happy to see American players be the beneficiaries of this uh, with, you know, bearing in mind what's what's coming up, you know, major championship golf um, without the, the open championship, more Americans they get in the field, maybe that's the best result for for these people. But it just it just seems a nonsense to me that without everybody playing, without you playing, without everybody else in the world playing, um, why there was a need to rush the ranking system back into operation just it doesn't stand any any rigorous scrutiny whatsoever, I don't reckon. Mm. And yeah, I, I, I agree with Murray. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear you come off the fence late in the episode here, Murray. I was a bit nervous about your voice earlier yeah. on, but you, you've really uh, dug deep here. We appreciate it. No worries, Hazy. Uh, I didn't want to miss the opportunity having a chat to the young fella and getting his thoughts. So it's good to be part of the show with him. Muzz, you've been a character as always throughout this episode. We appreciate your time, Matt. And we wish you well when you decide what you're going to do with Europe. Well done. And uh, thanks for coming on again. No, thanks, fellas. Love being on. Good on you, mate. Episode 169 of Inside the Ropes in the can. Uh, We'll be back to do it all again next week.